Welcome to this GRDC podcast, helping you increase the effectiveness of nitrogen fixation in pulse crops. Rhizobium. It's a tiny microbe with a big dollar impact. Indeed, the national benefit of rhizobia-fixed nitrogen for Australia's pasture and pulse legumes is estimated at $2.4 billion a year. Ensuring that this microbe has optimal effect requires a number of key conditions. To detail those, I was joined in the GRDC studio by Dr Liz Farquharson, Senior Research Officer at the South Australian Research and Development Institute, and also her colleague and senior scientist, Ross Ballard. A discussion that started with Ross giving an insight into what exactly are rhizobium. Rhizobium are a soil bacteria and they're a beneficial bacteria, that's important to point out. What they do is they form nodules on our pulse and pasture legumes. Within those nodules they take nitrogen out of the air and they supply it to the plant. So it's, if you like, an inbuilt nitrogen source. And they're really important in our agricultural systems because initially they weren't in our soils because all our pulse and pasture legumes have had to be imported or brought in to Australia that we use and the rhizobium have also had to be introduced as well. Now we're in the situation where a lot of soils have suitable rhizobium but equally there are many soils that still need to be inoculated with these bacteria. Okay in terms of leading up to a season then what happens to rhizobia over a summer period so they're reasonably robust organisms so long as you're not in a hostile soil so if you've had a pulse crop in say the three years previous then and and your soil isn't acid or saline then you you should still have a, a reasonable population of rhizobium in the soil But conversely, if you're in a situation where your soil is very acid, then those rhizobium numbers will drop off quite quickly. What layer of the soil are rhizobia in? So they're like um, many soil-borne organisms. They they like to be associated with the, the organic matter in the soil. And so we measure the populations of or numbers of rhizobium, and most of them are in the top uh, 10 centimetres of the soil. They are, you can find some down deeper, but most are really in the, the top little bit of the soil. What about the actual testing then? You know, what, what should producers do in terms of testing soils before they make inoculation decisions? The main thing they can do is really understand what their cropping history is and what the soil conditions are. So if they've had a pulse crop in the last three years and it was well nodulated, then that will have established a good population in the soil. Now, if that soil is um, neutral in its pH, and pH is one of the principal determinants of, that affect rhizobium survival, so if it's a neutral soil, those, those rhizobiums should still be there. The opposite of that, if the pulse has not been grown previously in the paddock or soil conditions are harsh, then the rhizobium won't be there in suitable levels and inoculation um, should be mandatory. Liz, are there certain instances where inoculum doesn't need applying? Um, so we, we like to never say 
Never, but um, there's certainly um, situations where you're less likely to get an inoculation response. And it's as Ross was just saying, where you've got a really good history of growing the pulse crop and you're on a neutral soil type, then those rhizobia can persist in the soil from year to year. But it's really important uh, to know if your last crop was well nodulated and so we encourage um, growers to go digging and have a look at the nodules underground and understand if their crop has been well nodulated previously. Now, in terms of inoculants, I imagine there's many varied ones. What sort of inoculants maximise results, Liz? Well, the first instance, it's really important to understand that there's different inoculation groups. So the first thing growers have to get right is matching that. So, for example, pea, bean, uh, lentil and vetch are all um, nodulated by the same group of rhizobia whereas chickpea has another, is a very specific requirement and we use another um, inoculant group for that. And again, lupin is another one that has very specific rhizobium requirement. So when getting your inoculants, it's really important to check the inoculation group chart and understand that you're buying the correct product for your crop. There's lots of different uh, formulations, both peat and granular inoculants, but for each group, they all contain the same strain of rhizobium. So whether you buy a group E peat inoculant or a group E granule, they will all contain the same rhizobium strain specific to that group of legumes. Peats are really well-regulated product. They're quality tested. They have a very high concentration of rhizobia per gram in them. And so they tend to be a very reliable product. They've been around for many years and 80% of growers still use peat applied to seed as a slurry as their primary inoculant source. But there's also lots of granular products on the market. They vary in both their formulation and their quality. There's currently no quality um, standards for granules, but we hope to see some in the future. But granules certainly are easier to use for growers and so sometimes they are favoured for that reason. Okay, so you've chosen the right inoculant for your crop. What tips have you got then about applying that so it's successful? The general rule is always to apply your inoculant as close as possible to sowing um, as you can. The reason you do that is to maximise the numbers and the potential for nodulation. And as Liz was saying, peat inoculants are really high quality. They have about um, one billion rhizobium per gram of peat. So they're super high quality. And if you can get that on the seed and, and into a moist soil bed, they always do a very consistent high quality job. It's not always possible to um, sow into a moist seed bed. Um, a lot of growers like to dry sow and inoculants can still survive for short periods of time under those conditions. The other thing to perhaps just be aware of in, in this space is that a lot of pulses and pasture legumes go out with um, fungicides on them to help control root diseases and some of those fungicides um, are detrimental to rhizobium survival. So as a general principle, it's best to put those pesticides or fungicides on the seed first and then allow that to dry completely and then apply your rhizobium last and again as close as possible to sowing. Can you delve into that a little bit deeper in terms of what do producers need to consider further about the survivability of seeds under different conditions? The general thing is is that rhizobium are quite delicate organisms. Um, they're not like some bacteria that are 
form spores and persist around forever. So they are quite easily killed. And and the main thing that, that kills them off is drying. So the reason that we want to sow soon after inoculation to maximise our potential is because the death rate of the rhizobium on seed is greatest in the first 48 hours. So you might start off with a million rhizobium on a bean seed and 48 hours later that might be down to three or 400,000. So that's still adequate for good nodulation but you just need to be aware that those numbers drop off quickly and that's why we want to get them in the ground quick. The other thing perhaps to mention is just the storage of inoculated seed. Because desiccation kills rhizobium and so does heat, you, you want to be very careful about leaving inoculated seed in hot sheds or in cedar boxes because that can also knock them off um, quite quickly. It's worth um, also saying that the products do vary uh, in how soon you need to sow them. So there's freeze-dried products available and they generally say sow within six hours of inoculating. They're a little more sensitive than some of the peat-based formulation. So uh, it's really important for growers to check the manufacturer guidelines for whichever product they're using, both for application and sowing, but also for storage, how that product should be stored before it's used, whether it should be stored in the fridge or in a cool um, shed for a granule. Inoculation versus not inoculating. What needs to be weighed up? I think um, inoculation is more of an inconvenience than a cost, generally speaking, to growers in terms of um, per hectare and starting your season. Generally, we would say that having no nodules and a complete inoculation failure and a end-deficient crop and poor yields is the highest risk and what happens if you don't take care of um, this part of the equation. And so from that point of view, inoculating or getting good nodulation is a no-brainer. Are there ways to maintain increased rhizobia in the soil before nodulation? In general agronomic practices that are good for soil health, like um, reduced tillage, maintaining stubbles, good nutrition, having pulse crops frequently in the rotation, they all support populations of rhizobium. And as we've alluded to previously, probably the one of the biggest impacts on rhizobial survival is soil pH. So if you can pull your soil pH up to around 5 with liming, um, then that will, in general, support good populations of rhizobium once they've been introduced into that environment. What is the benchmark in terms of nodulation growers should aim for? So this uh, really varies with um, crop species, but we know there's a really strong relationship between nodulation and nitrogen fixation, and this is particularly true in very controlled studies, but I guess in the real world there's a lot more noise in this relationship but it still still holds true largely. And um, for something like field pea, we understand that crop very well. We've got a lot of data around field pea, and we know that for field pea at around 10 weeks after sowing, um, we ideally like to see around 50 nodules per plant. But for other crops, that can vary. And we're building up a data set at the moment around chickpea and lentil, so we'll have a better feel for the exact number of um, nodules we're aiming for on those crop types as well. That then begs the question, when in the season should producers go and check how their nodulation has come on? how successful the whole inoculation's been? That's a good question. It's one we get quite a bit. And um, we generally recommend that around 10 weeks after crop emergence is a really good time to go digging and having 
a look at nodules and there's a few reasons for that. One is it's given the crop enough time to establish and form active nodules. So we know that if they're going to be there, they should be there by 10 weeks. The soil's usually nice and moist at that time and the plant's not too big in terms of digging up. If you leave it a lot later into the season than that, the soil profile does start to dry out a little bit and that can make not only digging up the plants more difficult, but at that time the nodules can start to show signs of stress and be more difficult to assess. Dr Liz Farquharson and Ross Ballard, thank you for joining me in the GRDC studio. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.